Welcome to the Energy Nerd Show, powered by Synapse Energy Economics and Climable.org. Energy Nerd Show. Hey, Jeannie. Yeah, Brew. Who's our guest on the Energy Nerd Show today? Well, we have Max Chang, who is a principal at Synapse, a returning guest. Oh, cool. Yeah, last time I think you talked about wind turbines, offshore wind turbines getting bigger and better. So what are we talking about today, Max? Nuclear power plants and the big news is Vogel Unit 3 finally got fueled after many years of delays and setbacks and cost overruns. Uh, Delays and cost overruns. That's not a surprise. No, no. I mean, we wrote a paper back in 2012 that talked about how uh, we didn't think Georgia Power would be able to complete the project in on time. And unfortunately for us and for Georgia ratepayers, that's the case. I mean, the project's been delayed. Um, the costs have ballooned from, I think, $14 billion was the original estimate. Uh, now people are saying it's going to cost $30 billion and many years uh, sort of after the fact, which which is really too bad. And what were we saying back then about the uh, expected cost? Our mid-range estimate was about $33 billion. And they're now coming in at about $30 billion. So it basically doubled and like another 10% and then they're up in our neighborhood. Do you think from here it's going to escalate more? I mean, there might be some. I, hopefully not. If they're loading fuel onto one of the units, that's that's a good sign that, that they're pretty close. And the other unit is probably a year behind. If they're loading fuel, when does that mean they'll start production? I think they're talking about early spring of 2023. So you, you have an opportunity to say like, uh, hey, I told you so. Is that uh, is that satisfying or uh, distressing? or You know, on this case, I really don't like being close to being right. Like I, I really kind of wish that they were able to do it for lower costs and they didn't have to experience the delays and cost overruns. So it's sad for the industry. I mean, it, but it sort of uh, bears sort of our worst fears to fruit that these big power plants cost way too much and take way too long to build when, when there are other options available. So um, can you comment on the uh, sort of costs per unit of production for Vogel compared to other resources or? Um... Our $33 billion was translating into a levelized cost of energy of $125 per megawatt hour, but that was in 2012 dollars. So in 2022 dollars, that's probably $170 per megawatt hour give or take. And what are other resources in the area costing? For example, Maryland's most recent offshore wind projects, those were approved by the Maryland Commission at $73 per megawatt hour and 90-ish dollars per megawatt hour for for offshore wind. That was about 1,600 megawatts of offshore wind versus 2,200 megawatts of nuclear. I mean, it's obviously different capacity factors, different amounts of energy, but... We've seen uh, in uh, RFPs, we've seen uh, purchase power agreements proposed. Uh, in some cases, prices like $20 per megawatt hour. Oh, yeah. For wind and for solar, too. Sometimes with storage and then you see... Most prices, that's, that's like a factor of 10x, uh, roughly, yep. 
and and, and energy efficiency uh, opportunities at a tenth of the price that are going un uh, unrealized. Yeah, this is a lot of sunk costs, and it is awful to think about. But are the ratepayers of Georgia definitely on the hook for paying for all that? They have been. They have been on the hook since 2013, I think. In this case, on the hook means uh, actually paying for the construction project ahead of getting any kilowatt hours from it. Yes. Georgia has a construction work in progress quip legislation. So all of the financing costs of the project are being paid by ratepayers even before uh, the project is used and useful. When someone builds a power plant, uh, they obviously don't have all the money available at one time. So they need to go out and finance it. It's just like your mortgage. When you when you buy a house, you get a mortgage. No one can pay cash on hand. So you have to finance that. And when you finance your mortgage, or in this case, a nuclear power plant, there are financing charges. And so what Quip does is it takes the financing charges and puts that up front before the plant is actually finished so that rather than having interest accumulate on a principal that you haven't paid, you're kind of paying down that financing cost up front. Well, put another way, if I could convince Bruce that we should build a new house and I said, and it'll probably be ready in three or four years, but we'd have to be paying the financing on it right now. We couldn't move in. And then it takes longer and longer and longer. And we'd be pretty mad if it's not ready till. 2032. Yes. And I would say take your analogy even one step further. Uh, you're paying for a brand new house that you don't even know what the cost of that new house is. Right. Although Max might have told us if we if we asked Max or Synapse back, you know, at the beginning, they, it, we might have got a realistic estimate. Instead of just asking the builder because they always. Right. Yeah. One thing that paying for things up front uh, might do in terms of incentives is um, weaken the incentive for the entity building the project to uh, complete it on time. Yes, I think that's an argument. And I think some of the supporters of Quip will counter, well, it's sort of leveling the playing field because you won't get that huge rate shock when it gets put into rates. So, but then there, it raises sort of a generational equity issue. Like why are ratepayers from, you know, 10 years ago paying for a project that they're not going to see any benefits for another 10 years. They probably didn't expect it to be that long when they started. No, I agree. Yeah. Wow. Poor is it more than Georgia? Like who else is paying? Uh, so Georgia Power is paying for almost half of it. And then there are two sort of electric cooperatives. So it's uh, Jacksonville Electric Authority and then um, MEAG, and that's sort of, it's a group of communities across Georgia and I think parts of Florida that are also paying for this project. So if some power is available at less than a quarter of the price, can anyone back out and just say, look, we've paid for 10 years, we got nothing, and now we're going to go for something cheaper? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't think they can back out, unfortunately. I, I think... Their agreements were pretty strict. But it's the companies, not the ratepayers themselves. So if a company were to fold or something, maybe ratepayers could get off the hook? Maybe, but that would sort of lead to all sorts of other messy bankruptcy issues as well. All right. Well, I'm just hoping there's some really savvy regulators or someone out there that's going to get shareholders to take some 
responsibility or someone else? Because this seems like a, a debacle for people who already probably have high energy burden, or at least some people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Georgia ratepayers are paying, have been paying for this. Any lessons to learn uh, that the uh, Energy Nerd Show audience ought to be uh, gleaning from uh, this experience? Other, other than listen to Max? <laughs> well, there's that. I don't think nuclear power is alone, but I think any of these big, complicated projects, even sort of offshore wind, I mean, there has to be transparency uh, through the process. There has to be good cost overrun controls. There has to be some mechanism for cost sharing so that ratepayers aren't completely on the hook for any overruns. And then I think there's an argument for really good project management. Understandably, it's really hard to build a nuclear power plant, but also understandably, you know, these builders and uh, utilities have an obligation for ratepayers. It's it's not free money and it's not an unlimited source of money. And it seems like cost overruns, of you know, a factor of two, like a 100% cost overrun, is is kind of um you know par for the course for the nuclear industry sadly the case yes yeah so max how can we avoid this giant kind of problem in the future i think it makes a really good argument for really good planning um understanding sort of what your resource options are understanding sort of the full range of possible costs and uncertainty. There's a whole range of options available for different utilities. So they need to look at all of their options. And they also need to look at different scenarios, like where one option might fit, another option may not fit depending on a different future. So I think having good transparent planning that's comprehensive would would have helped a lot. One of the things is, uh, that I've noticed is there's a literature, a growing literature over the years on cost overruns for mega projects. And, you know, they dissect, they, they look at the data and dissect, you know, the, the factors that seem to correlate with cost overruns and schedule delays. And, and one of the things that's really um, pretty obvious when you think about it, but it, it, yeah, but somehow it doesn't get uh, used is that the entity proposing the project and the engineers doing the original cost estimate are the worst people for judging the degree of likely overruns and uncertainties. So, so you know, you get these kind of biased, uh, optimistic uh, assessments of things. And so, what, one thing I'd suggest is that uh, regulators or representatives of the people who will be holding the bag for the, the you know, in this case, the ratepayers, should have their own independent assessment of um, the risks and the likelihood of cost overruns and schedule delays. Cause you know, I think, I think in some ways it's, it's kind of obvious to an independent person what's likely to happen. Uh, but then you don't, you just don't get um, the proponents of the project tend to not be forthcoming. Yeah. I've seen sort of independent monitors on some large construction projects and that, that probably is something that could be used more in our industry. Um, like having regulators sort of hire out a independent monitor that that ultimately gets paid by ratepayers, but but is independent from the utility or the developer. Uh, I think that's a really good idea during the construction project. But then even in some ways, the big decision is the go or no go. Yes, decision, and you, they, I think they need help there too. Yeah, I, I've I've seen that in a lot of the offshore wind procurements now. There is a independent evaluator that's been hired by a commission 
um, to sort of assess the the projects. But but usually those independent evaluations end at whether or not there's a go or no go. Um, but I think it's a good idea to extend their their purview for the construction process as well. That'd be great. Well, uh, thanks for being on the show, Max. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me again. Take care. Good to see you. Bye. Check out the show notes for visuals and links for more info on the topics discussed. You can find the Energy Nerd Show on social media pretty much everywhere at Energy Nerd Show or on our website at energynerdshow.com. Thanks for listening.